Hey there, everybody. My name is Tevo Diarcy, the of Tevo Creative Leadership by God's mercy and grace. And I've said it many times, but I have to think it again. You know, I'm so grateful for great parenting, great Christian parentings who were fun, not religious, who gave the home life such peace and merriment, and then just this practical side, not pie in the sky, not Levitical patriarchism, shepherding or controlling personalities, but just a merry time where it wasn't even thinking about the ministry, it's just being themselves. And that's the kind of role model I love, whether you're a Christian, in a church, in a fellowship, or out. It's about the Lord. It's not about you. It's not about the traditions of modern day Christendom. It's about the Lord. Now, That doesn't mean we ignore what the Bible says, Paul's commands, and, uh, you know, don't stop fellowship with the saint as some have in Hebrews 10.25. I never stop. But there are such things as you can find a roadblock due to certain kinds of false religious teaching in different circles, in different groups, prophetic teaching, non-prophetic, any kind. You can be white or black or brown or tan. But we just have to really be the noble Berean. That's why God has invented online ministry. <laughs> He's invented online so you could just turn on your app and you can turn on your Bible online and research what you've heard, what the scuttlebutt is, and then you can discern about the fear. And I want to talk about, Lord wants me to talk about the coronavirus, the COVID-19. And I would say this, that Psalm 112 verse 7 says the it is written said the righteous person the christian they will not fear evil tidings their heart is fixed trusting in the lord i think that's the credo the mantra from here on out and i respect all kinds of people all their points of views all the media but i think you know there's a bottom line when we got to not be moved by anybody or anything or any kind of thinking unless it's the inside inner witness of the holy spirit and the Word of God. And that's how I live my life. One thing I learned about faith through the years, applied faith, is that it says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Well, you got to know that sometimes negative fear or doubt or just all the horrible stuff can wear you out and sap your faith, drain it, so that it depletes it and you're really questioning and doubting God because you're not built up. You know, it says build ourselves up in the most holy faith. You can do that by praying in the spirit, but it's really by renewing your mind in the word and also uh, being bold or not being a closet, quiet, nobody that you just don't even think of anything on any original thought. You don't even know the doctrine. Maybe they're really wrong and you've never even studied it. One reason I pick apart in a kindly fashion, hopefully, the Christian doctrines, because God had me, when I was 24, he commissioned me to go study the doctrines in the born-again community, all the different kinds, and to study their doctrines, their pet peeves, what they didn't like, their different styles, their fashion, as well as their music. And so, at this point, well, back then, he said, when I was 24, a generation ago, he said, it's one day you're going to come out and build bridges between my body. So I've always been interested in cross-body unity, Ephesians 4. That's our kind, our brand, our style at onlinefellowship.us in this ministry. And it's the kind that is 
we don't care where you go. Just go somewhere where the Lord sends you. House, church, cell group, standing with three people at the corner, two people, or with a mega church. Whatever God tells you, do it. Just do what he says. I'm not going to be watching how many times you go, where are you going to go, are you going to too many churches. That goes on now. That's what Phariseeism is about. And it started me wondering about how many more people might want to know Jesus if they weren't picked apart and accused of being church hoppers and stuff. That was really the East Coast, and it does happen some everywhere. But I want to know about the the effect of the media and the fear factor. You know, my heart is fixed, it says, not fixed on TV, fixed on the latest Facebook and the latest horror that's coming down when they give you notifications on your cell, relentlessly, and every online scanning of news is like horror, you know, there's a limit. So I would think you don't want to be pie in the sky. You don't want to be sheltered, naive. You got to know what's going on basically, but you got to know and tell your children, especially your teenagers, people are prone in their 20s to think hopelessness, uh, why bother to live, suicide stuff, you know, depression. You got to tell people when to say when about news, when to say when, get everyone to know their inside tipping a point before they go down and get depressed. I want to hear the news. I want to hear this. I'm not going to believe, you know, I'm going to believe God no matter what. But once I start to go down, get oversaturated, it's a negative faith principle. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But it also says in Mark, I believe it says, be careful what you hear because it multiplies four more times and goes down in your spirit. So it can affect your soul, mind, body, mind, body, and emotions. Excuse me, mind, will, and emotions. It's been a long day today. So we've been focusing on, this is really part of training for our 3J2 focus. Great timing on that, isn't it? All right, 3J2, 3 John, that means little John, 3 John 2, beloved, says the Lord, beloved above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So it sounds like that the things that affect your soul, mind, will, and emotions, over time can be affect you one way or the other with your ability to have the anointing, which brings prosperity and healing. And then we also have choices not to be, you know, absorbed in the wrong thing, eating the wrong thing, complaining. So we're going to talk about that, but it's such a huge topic. But the idea is, what can you do now in your own house, your own office, in your own way that will self-prosper your soul along with God's help? It's not formula. It's not one size fits all, rocket, you know, science. It is about faith, and everybody's faith is a bit different, and they have knowledge that's different, fields of knowledge and, and experiences. So you've got to go to God and let him, like a noble Berean, help you sift it out, sort it out. But I'll say this, this is what, without knowing about this time in life, you know, this this pandemic, without knowing all these things would happen for 30, 40 years, God has told me to get ready for now, to renew my mind, to keep myself in faith and study faith for healing so I wouldn't get ill, work out, eat, eat correctly as best I could, watch out for stress, 
forgive everybody. All those are big points. And then keep my mind renewed and never be moved by, never compete with anybody in ministry or in family or their looks. But also never be moved by Hollywood media about my size, my age, because of all those stereotypes which are making you, you know, at a certain age decrepit. One time I taught piano on the East Coast and I had this very handsome young looking father that was, you know, brought his son to the lesson and they homeschooled him and and one week the man came, he looked old, he looked terrible. I thought, what happened to this man in one week? And I found out later that he turned forty <laughs> and that they'd had one of those black balloon parties that they used to have. I don't know if they still do that now, but that was the big rage. And so psychologically he aged. Psycholog- psychologically he got into the groove this and put his faith on that. And he was, you know, I'm so, for some reason when I was in my 20s, way back then, and I turned 20 from being 19, I started to get depressed. Because all my life, from a little kid on, I wanted to be a teenager, and now I knew I would not be a teenager. I was now 20 well, thank God I knew the Lord. I tell you, right now we need to thank God for God. I really do that a lot. So by God's grace, he just thought, he put on my heart to pray against any psychological effects from any age I would ever turn. And so I prayed, Lord, don't let me be moved by TV, by peers, by what I would think naturally, or the papers online, the formulas they put out, your age equals so-and-so. And I've done that all these years. Now, there are certain ages that were more, took more faith not to be moved by. But, hey, I'm not moved by it. And I feel right now bragging on God now, not me. By His grace, I feel 28 inside. And I feel just as stronger and more secure and just as hearty as I've ever, vigorous as I ever have. Now, that is God's grace. I also remember, thank God for the faith movement. You know, some of these doctrines, before they got messed up by other people, were really helpful, and they still are if we can weed it out. So I would claim, my mother and sister and I would always claim, our natural, like Moses, his natural force was not abated and his eye had not dimmed. And I wear reader glasses, barely, you know, but I can see really well, and I have, my natural force is not abated. I do a lot of working out. I do a lot of... I feel very strong and energized, which is God's mercy. I had a lot of abuse, and sometime my my leg got. I had a kickboxing accident in the in the two thousands, but because it was so much stress, and so much H on earth, I had to focus not on my healing. And somehow it has you know. Then I put on some weight, so I'm still always working on that. I know God wants it healed, but I want to tell you, God is so good. When you have a lot of activity in your minister and you have lots of levels that you carry that you perceive family person ministry other people helping people then you can only use your faith strongly in only a certain amount of direction so I guess I've put everybody else pretty much first but God has never let me down and he's always been there you know and I want to thank my natural father I really respect my father and mother, but I respect men because my dad and all the men in my family, extended family, were honorable. They treated me with respect. So if I get a little bit tough, 
a lot tough on doctrine. It's not men. It's the teaching that certain kinds of people and a lot of these authorities are patriarchal men, not all of them, Levitical patriarch men, they have to make sure they're not being accusers, that they're being assessors because of doctrine and the political correctness of all these things that are being taught now, people-pleasing, bowing and scraping. I'm not against the people. God's people, no, but I'm against false teaching because when you get out in the audience, you're dealing with people, it makes them have a twisted, warped view of Jesus, the Messiah, Father God, and now people are thinking Jesus is like a Pharisee coming after them, spying on them, uh, what do you call it? all these things that go on under the name of Christ following, being religious, being always right, being fundamentalist, which if you read Jesus and his relationships when he was alive on earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which I have, which I do, you'll find he never said or did or acted like a lot of the things now, especially when the woman was brought in sin, for example, with the Pharisees. A lot of teaching on the grassroots and certainly groups of these things that the woman, it's her fault. She's the Jezebel. I've seen that too much in my life around. So I studied all that. And if you noticed, the typical, well, Western European, you know, Levitical Pharisee, blames the woman, accuses the woman, like Eli in 1 Samuel, like Adam did in the garden when he tried to hide from God. He wasn't Levitical patriarch, but it was the start of accusation of females. So I looked at that and I thought, man, those people, Jesus was there with a test. Here come the Pharisees throwing this woman they caught in adultery, the big A word, the big A word, the big Christian sin of all times, it seems. So they throw this woman down at Jesus and they say, all right, Jesus, what are you going to do about it? And he thinks, he doesn't rush, he draws in the sand and he says to them, which one of you has never sinned? You cast the first stone. And here we have put that, Christians have put that a word, the adultery, up on a pedestal like it is the worst, one of the worst, you know, one of the worst, <laughs> maybe the worst, maybe one of the worst, when Jesus said to them, if you've never sinned, he equalized all sin at that point, he, if you are without sin, you throw the first stone. Well, maybe they stole a donut, took tithe money, cheated somebody, called somebody a harlot that wasn't. So whatever it was, they all slunk away. My other point in this is big. Notice that a typical Levitical patriarch brings the woman to throw at Jesus' feet, but he's not equal opportunity respectful. He never brings the man. It's always about the woman. That's a big sign right there. I've dealt with this for over 25 years, 30 years, more than that. And my father, who is not a Levitical patriarch, really respected. My mother, his mother, my, her mother's mother, me and my sister, and all colors as well. So this is a big deal. All right, let's get back to our, what do I think about this pandemic? I really am going to, I really think it's terrible. It's from the pit. It's from the pit of hell. And I'm aghast. If anything, my opinion is I'm aghast the church has been so laid back and calm to not get ready 
to bind Satan and to teach healing and to get people away from fear and focused onto God, I'm just disappointed at the quiet landscape of what a Christian is supposed to be like in the Bible, casting out devils, binding Satan, laying hands on the sick so they shall recover in a big fashion, sparing people from pain, sparing people from torment, and I'm surprised that there are not more Christians out there acting like the first church. That's my point. We have great understanding and empathy for people going that are frightened and people that have the virus. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to the Christian, the born-again Christian, who in the natural could have been praying, could have been fasting, could have been getting advice from the Holy Spirit for a long time on how to deal with the normal day-to-day instead of achieving, trying to be the next Solomon, putting all the relationship last, not not respecting their mate of their youth, like the Malachi priesthood of chapter 2, not accusing, you know, spending time on Phariseeism and all this stuff, looking good and smelling sweet on TV, smiling big, putting their big praise team together and having a good entertainment for everybody, making everybody happy, sweet baby Jesus happy, clappy. But when it comes down to reality, where rubber meets the road, you don't want to die young. You don't want anyone to kill themselves. You don't want anybody to die when nobody trained them that they could go to God for prayer. They could go to God for healing that you could turn on YouTube now if you're stuck and never heard about it and Google healing scriptures and study about faith. But instead, it's to me, it's been a massive watered-down effect in our country in the, because of the media landslide and the ongoing malaise and complacency of what I call the status-conscious, conceited, proud Pharisees, but also the legalism and also the training was, I think, in my opinion, because I've been here from Vineyard, Billy Graham, Jesus People Time, and then saw the Jim, Swagger, Jim Baker scandal and the Jimmy Swaggart fallout and the moral majority and rise and fall of all these groups and Word of Faith started and Deliverance started and Miracles and Signs and Wonders started and Rodney Hardy Brown laughed and been around Brownsville and prophetic ministry, now it's apostolic and TV from the fledgling, been there in the grassroots, rural, cosmopolitan, Norfolk, Virginia, now Dallas, Tulsa, Florida, you name it, through the Holy Spirit leading me, silently, not famous, not a wannabe, being led on assignment, I really feel that the the whole, whatever it is, conglomeration of media and wannabe famous and want your money to look big like the famous TV. You know, when I talk on, when I say about TV TV affected ministry, I do not put anyone down who is on TV that's famous. In fact, I'm grateful for them. They've helped me, many of them. We're all grateful. However, nobody on TV, when they're up there big, they haven't a clue what's going on when people take their message 
add their own stuff, infuse their own doctrine, add politics, add witch-watching, accusation, big I, little you, Phariseeism, wannabeism, I call it, what are those people? Oh, Boanerge ministry, immature, just because they look good, just so that bishop is a great preacher, he has all the perks it looks like, all the fame and the followers and all the entourage, but when you deal with people like that by looks, you don't know their heart. I can tell his heart, he's been through it. <laughs> Whether they're black or white or man or woman, I don't find, I don't throw a stone any direction, but I'm saying we need to know that down in the audience are the people who are poorly fathered, hammered at by Bible teaching by their parents or somebody when they were young and they're upset or they're disturbed, they don't know it. And then there are people now that are in a generation who've never had a great, a, a real Christian. They've only felt Pharisees or wannabes. They don't even know a real Christian. So then they listen to the media and there's the Simpsons, the Antichrist spirit on all these programs now everywhere. And they wonder why nobody wants Jesus. And then there's the let's achieve nouveau riche putting relationships third over bless me in business is my opinion. Now I'm going to toss this out as sila. I'm tossing it out like spaghetti on the wall. If somebody hears anything in there that's God, go for it. That's all I'm saying. I'm just submitting it and very respectful, even though I'm very forceful. I'm very forceful like Jesus Christ turning over a few money tables at the temple, the mammon chasers tables, because other people are going to be lost because of this morphed, toxic and strange tradition of many groups that are out there now. If I saw the leader of a group or a person in those group, would I be mean and ugly? No, I'd be James 3.17. But I'm saying it because all these people are getting sick. All these people are are not knowing who to choose to vote for president. All these people are are really awed and in wonder by looks. They're moved by appearance and lights and cameras because they're trained to. Hollywood persona in ministry. Hollywood persona in home. Hollywood persona in your everyday person is big. So we're trying to do that, but my call is to speak to the supposed Christian, born-again Christian who believes the Bible, who says they believe the Bible and says they're a minister. Now, anyone else is welcome to listen. Hey, I respect you, and I have more fun with you than I do these kind of Christians because you are who you say you are. I'd rather have anybody who's not lukewarm and is full of their own conviction be they buddhist hindu lgd lgbt baptist methodist agnostic atheist muslim i'd rather because jesus said so in revelation 3 15 16 it says be hot or cold 
or I'll spew you out of my mouth. And he wasn't talking to the non-born again. He was talking to his own people. When I've seen for years, I've tried to be effective and give the word of the Lord, warning the church, warning you ministers, some of you, the few that would listen, that few have a heart left in ministry. I've been warning about Isaiah. Isaiah 1 through 10 was a word I've given in the early 2010s. It says, Isaiah, the first three chapters, God was trying to send his Holy Spirit, the anointing that would break the yoke to keep the oppressive Assyrian from wiping out their culture. However, the first three, and that's verse 10 of Isaiah 10, that chapter about the yoke being broken by the anointing. But he says in the whole context that God's own people, the leaders and the priests and the elders of his people were blocking it because of the first three chapters. They were blocking the anointing because of their own vanity, little g-gods, and their false religion, which means themselves. And I think of that now, I really do with the shaking. I call it the diaspora, the, the, the whatever, the bottoming out, the, the rebooting of the church right now, as it is, where nobody... Listen, I have been, I'm going to, I'm here for you for this. Let me, I'm, I'm here. I've been in places where I can't get out, where I couldn't get out. I've been a long time suffering. I have really been in it, but you know, God is there and I look to the Lord and he gets me out. Psalm 91. I'm not going to be moved by all this. If, ten, if 10,000 ghosts falls at your side, even a virus, it doesn't have to come, nigh, it won't come nigh you. Just know that and believe it firmly. Psalm 121, verse 1, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. You've got to know your Bible verses to stand on during emergencies. And this is what I was really upset with after my relocation down here. I thought, where is reality? This is the bottom line where it got me so strong, maybe too strong. So please forgive me if you don't need this, this strong. But where was reality? There was candy. There was plastic. There was hail fellow, well-met, shallow Christ following. There was deception. There was smiles and then beguiling. There were all sorts of putting on shows. There's all sorts of fancy and cutie and sweetie and happy and peppy. And then there's beauty and all these things. But that's the Christian community but where's the love and where's the reality? What happens if people do go through a trial? Are you going to psychoanalyze them like Dr. Phil, like some of these things and say, oh, look, they're hurt. They're wounded. We don't want to deal with them. We don't want to be like them. They need to go to take the six weeks heal them fast course, quick fix. Instead of weeping with those who weep, mourning with those who mourn, showing empathy, which I get healed by empathy. Really, be honest, I don't need a diagnosis from some non-qualified psychologist that says they're a Christian, perceiver Christian. I want to know what God says, but you know what? I know him so well that, but the hard part is that you can't confide anybody that you have 
a battle. You can't tell anybody that you feel sad because somebody beat you up or tried to rape you or abuse you. You can't tell anybody in that kind of one group, that kind of similar group, because they're going to diagnose you and say, I don't want to be like that around that one. They'll wear me down and they'll psychoanalyze you, pop psychology. Put on, look at the top, and I got to go on this one. Look at the top of onlinefellowship.us for the pop psychologist and Jesus one. It's PC, it's phony, and it's not really organic to the Christian if you try to pass it off and blame them. That's what bugged me. It blame, It accuses people are already hurting. If you want to quote me, it hurts people who are already hurting by putting a blame, a label on them, and then you tell everybody else they're wounded and write them off and blackball them. That's really bad. So we have a balance in that. I believe in inner healing. Let's put it this way, but not like that. At the top is also the ode to whelp, which is what I went through, and many, you know, and I saw this repeatedly around the nation. God said, if you see something one or two times, forget about it. If you see something three or four times in the body of Christ that would hurt people, talk about it, teach about it. So therefore, I'm teaching these things. I've seen them far more than three times, all of this stuff. Anyway, back to the coronavirus. We Let us, what does it say? Call things that are not as though they were. No. <laughs> but I think the main thing is every bit of what you see on TV here in the news is really based on many things, but one of them is Psalm 112, verse 7. I will not fear fear evil tidings. My heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. If anything, since I was 17 to now, it's taken that long to get me fear-free. Fear-free. And I want you to not have to be so long in an agony, being anxious about everything, this, that, and the other news, mama, you name it, bills, whatever. The worst part is fear. Fear has torment. If anything, I'm going to teach more. And let's get out of the fear mode to the faith mode, to the love mode, but also self-prosper your soul. 3J2, beloved above all things, I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The word even as means it's conditional to a point with God's mercy, of course, over time. But you have a part to play, so get that verse out and dig on it and really think it through about what it means to, what kind of things prosper your soul. Sometimes you just need to go out on a date with your husband and sit and have tea if you can't afford anything else in a prosperous place. You prosper your soul, work out, whatever it is, think healthy, read about it, teach your children, and then you don't complain, pout, or, you know, contemplate sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow. But I got to go, and this is Tavo Diarcy. God bless you. Have a great day. And praise the Lord, too. Put on that praise music as well. Bye-bye.